What is up, Belong Church? Would you guys uh, make your way back to your seats right now? It's awesome. It's an awesome morning. And it's really good to see all of you guys in the room. Um, for you guys who are new in the room, my name is Jonathan Guerra. I'm actually the youth uh, pastor for Belong Church. Um, so let's make some noise, youth. Don't leave me alone up here. There we go. I'm not alone up here. And so... Um, now, if you're new to our church, what we love to do is we love to hand out Bibles because we believe that opening the Scripture of God is so different than even your digital Bible. So if you don't have a Bible right now, please raise your hand and we're going to have a team out here to hand a Bible out to you. And while we're doing that, um, we're going to be turning to Genesis chapter 26, verses 12 through 25. So if you guys can make your way there. And while you're making your way there, I want to give you guys a little bit of um, context as to what's happening before we read into this, these, uh, these verses. Um, so, right now we're in Genesis and 26. So, um, Genesis um, 26, verses 12 through 25 is where, where we're going to be. So, right now, um, we are going to go back a little bit. And we're going to go to the time of Abraham. So Abraham is actually Isaac's father, who we're going to read about in a minute. But I want to give you guys a little bit more knowledge about who Abraham is. So Abraham is a man who the Lord instructs to leave his, his land, his, um, his city that he, he grew up in. And he, he spent most of his time there, the city of Ur in Mesopotamia, which today, modern age, would be what you would know as Iraq. Is it Iraq? Yeah, Iraq. I'm sorry. And so... Abraham lived in the city most of his life. He grew to an old age, and then suddenly God tells him, hey, Abraham, I need you to pack up your stuff, and I need you to go. And so, um, you know, he, Abraham listens to the Lord. He uproots his life. And so uh, if we read in chapter 12, verses 1, the Lord makes his first promise to Abraham. He tells him, the Lord has said to Abraham, and just for a little context, when you read it, it's going to say Abraham, not Abraham. And that's because later on we see when the Lord ends up changing Abraham's name to Abraham and his wife Sarai's name is also going to change to Sarah. So that's why we're going to read that. So the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, like at my age, my knees are already starting to break down, you know, and um, I'm already falling apart. But I could only imagine Abraham listening to the Lord at his age. He's, it tells us that he's already 75 years old when God calls him, you know. And so, I mean, like if I ask a group of friends right now, I'm pretty sure like all of them would say no just because their bodies are breaking down as well. So I could only imagine at 75 years old what that would do to somebody, you know. And so um, I, I could just like envision. So Abraham is beginning to pack up all his things. And then like his neighbor who's probably lived next door to him for a lifetime is like, Abraham, what are you doing, you know, and he's just like, oh, I'm packing up, I'm, I'm leaving, and he's like, where are you going, he's like, I don't know, because the Lord doesn't tell Abraham where he's going, so that's true faith, imagine to just pick up and go, and so that's the first um, promise that the Lord gives to Abraham, 
And when he does this promise, then he begins to live this nomadic lifestyle where he begins to move to place to place where God is calling him, and he has to uproot his life and continually move. But then the Lord makes a second promise to him. Chapter 17, verse 7 says, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you, and I will give you the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner. To you and your descendants, it will be possession forever, and I will be their God. Now, this is a beautiful promise that the Lord has given Abraham, and I'm sure Abraham and his wife are like, thank you, Lord. There's only one problem, God. We don't have any kids, so you're promising descendants to us, but we don't have any kids, and we're getting older in age. Like, do you mean, like, I'm going to adopt like a nephew and he's going to do. And the Lord's like, no, I'm going to give you guys a kid. And the Lord is faithful and he gives him a kid named Isaac. And so now Abraham raises Isaac. Abraham grows older. Abraham passes away. And Isaac then has children of his own. And that's where we're at right now, you guys. So let's get into it. Chapter 26, verses 12 to 25. It says... When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants, that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Isaac, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again, there was dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time, there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named it the place Rehoboth which means open space, where he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place and and his servants dug another well. So let's recap. Isaac Isaac is unburying these wells that his father had left for him. And as he's doing that, um, there's like chaos that follows him until finally Isaac finds peace through the Lord. And I know this story reminds me a lot of uh, growing up in high school, I remember there was this test that we would take, and this test was kind of like a personality test, 
but it was also to determine like what kind of career would you be good in, you know? And so I remember uh, having a group of friends who, uh, before me, they were like, okay, I'm gonna take this test. They take the test and I have a friend who's like, you know, my test came back and said that like, I'd be a great like, law enforcement. I'd be great like, as a cop. I had another friend who comes back and he's like, yeah, you know, like, mine says that I'd be a great doctor. You know, like I'd, I just have the personality to be a doctor. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I could see myself being a doctor, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then um, at the time, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, she, uh, she takes the test and she's like, yeah, mine came back saying that I could be a lawyer or I could work for the CIA or I could be an FBI agent. And I'm like, man, like, that's pretty cool. Like if, like, they got those, and with my personality, like, I'm gonna get something great, you know? And I began to think about this as, like, the day went on. I'm like, man, like, she, like I don't know, a cop? Like, can I be a cop? Can I see myself as a cop? You know, or sometimes I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I can combine a couple of those. You know, maybe I could be, like, a lawyer for, like, the FBI, save babies on the side. So I don't know. So I, I thought about this, you know, and, and I really, like, thought to myself, like, yeah, this, this test is going to be so easy. I'm going to knock this thing out of the park. And in true fashion, as teenagers do, you get your results. That's automatically who you are, right? So now we have doctors walking around campus, and we have CIA agents walking around campus. And I'm like, I can't wait for my turn, you know? So it's now my turn. I sit down, and I take this test, and I turn on this computer. And like, as I'm turning it on, I don't know if you guys remember this, but it was called dial-up internet, you know? Teenagers, I don't know if you know about this, but our computers sounded sometimes like they were having a seizure as they're sitting there connecting to the interweb, you know? It was all new for us. So you would sit there, you turn it on, just You guys remember that. And so you would sit there patiently. Finally, the test appears. I begin, I take all the, I give all the answers, you know? And finally, at the end of the, the test, it says, you know, like, click here for your results. I'm like, all right, this is going to be good, you know? I click that. It takes a little while. Like I said, dial-up internet. So we're waiting. I'm waiting there. I'm waiting there. And finally, it appears. And I'm like, oh, great. So I begin to read it, you know, hey, Jonathan Higuera, you'd be great as a motel manager. And I'm like, wait, what? Well, pause. I'm like, a motel manager? Like, not even a hotel manager? Like, a motel? Like, I'm going to be that creepy dude that you pull over when your tire goes flat and I'm in that building in, like, that weird Motel 6 that you see? You know? I'm like, man, like, how, how can this? That's not fair. So, rest assured, after that, I'm having an identity crisis. People are asking me, like, hey, what are you? And I'm like, it's not even that cool. You know, it's not even important. Like, it doesn't even matter. It's fine, whatever, you know? And I graduated from high school with this, like, imagery in my head, like, now, nah, dude, you're good enough to be a motel manager. And so I tell myself, I'm like, I'm not going to do that, which is a great plan, right? And then I'm like, okay, so then what am I going to do? And naturally, I did what I feel like most men or most boys would do is I turned to see what my dad was doing with his life, you know? So my dad, when he was younger, he was a truck driver. Then later on, he became a welder, you know, he did that for many years, and later in his life, he became a pastor, you know, and my heart's desire was always like, man, I, I, I just want to play music, I want to be in this band, we're going to make it, you know, but that wasn't happening, so I'm like, okay, um, let me see what 
what options I have out here. So I go to school to be a welder, and I do that for a while, and it doesn't really work out. Then I become a truck driver, just like my dad, you know, and I do that for about six years of my life. And then the last phase of my life, I'm on this stage somewhere where I never imagined, but I'm also, you know, um, preaching the Word of God, which is amazing, you know. And uh, it's just one of those things where we don't realize as parents, like, how much influence we have over our children, over our future. And, you know, um, like, as I was thinking about this, too, you know, like, especially for you teens, I want you to hear me out. God knows our heart's desires. He knows, he knows what your passions are. But God will also do things in a way that always glorify him. Right. Amen? And so my heart's desire was, I want to play music for a living, you know? And if you guys realize, I'm a worship leader here at Belong Church now, you know? God answered a call that was near and dear to my heart, but it didn't turn out the way I had envisioned it, but it was the way he had envisioned it. So God knows your heart's desires, and he speaks to you guys, and he wants you to know that he listens to that, but he wants you to also realize it's going to be his way and not ours to glorify him. Amen? And so um, as I read uh, verse 18 real quick, it says, he reopened the wells of his father and dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. See, what we learn is that Isaac would continually go back to something that his father had dug many years before him, and he was able to pull things that his father had already instilled, even long after he was, his, his father was gone, after Abraham was gone. You know, there's many things that Isaac ended up doing, and if you look at Isaac's life and you look at Abraham's life, it's like a mirror image, almost like identical, because Isaac became nomadic in his lifestyle. He would walk from place to place with his family. Isaac was also very financially wealthy, you know, just like his father was. Isaac was a very hard worker, just like Abraham was. And Isaac also built wells, just like his father did. But the reality is, parents, there are things that we will also pass down that are not that great, you know. We we read earlier that Abraham has this instance where he's before the Pharaoh and he's afraid because he doesn't trust God. And what does he do? He thinks, man, they're gonna kill my they're gonna kill me to take my wife. So instead of just doing what the Lord had asked them, he begins to lie. And what he does is he tells the Pharaoh, like, this is my sister, you know, which is kind of weird, but this is my sister, and so um, the Pharaoh becomes close to his wife, takes her, and chaos begins to ensue for the Pharaoh until he realizes, like, hey, this isn't your sister, this is your wife, and you almost caused me to sin. Later on, we read that Isaac does the same thing with the king Abimelech, where Isaac also does the exact same thing, where he lies to the king about his wife because he's afraid that they're going to kill him to take her. So what does he do? He tells the king, like, this is my sister. The same exact sin that Abraham does earlier. Because you see, you guys, it's not an either or in our life with our children, with our teens, with what you're raising. It's not do all the good things and then all the bad things will go away. 
sometimes we're, what we're doing is we're passing down simultaneously good things and bad things. You know, and that is why it's important for us to understand that everything that we have in us is to be given to God because what God is wanting from us is he wants to uproot all of that from us. He wants to prune our lives, you know, and sometimes as parents, you know, we, we're good at hiding things. We really are. Sometimes we're good at there's dysfunction in our family and we're like, as long as the kids don't see it, like, it's okay. I don't have to give this to God, you know, but the reality is we have to give everything to God. Life is never going to be easy, you guys. It's not going to be easy. And I want you guys to hear me out, youth. Your parents are going to make mistakes. They're not perfect. But parents also need to understand that your youth are going to make mistakes. You know, and they're not perfect. But what they need from us is to see that when we do make our mistakes, we're not too prideful to bring that to God. And we're not too prideful for God to right our wrongs and let him replace the bad with him and, and what he has to offer. You know, sometimes we begin to put on the mistakes that we've made in our life as our identity, and we begin to wear it. And sometimes we even become proud of them. You know, um, being known as maybe a liar or a cheater at school, you know, or a gossiper or a chismosa. I don't know how you guys like to say it. You know, an adulterer, you know, Maybe people at school know you as being easy, you know, and this person likes to sleep around. Or maybe you're a guy who likes to chase down girls and, and, and you're out there just seeing how many girls you can sleep with, you know. And what ends up happening is the things that we're ashamed of, the world tells you to embrace them. And instead of giving those to God and allowing him to break that down in your life, it's almost like a... a a flag of pride that you put on yourself. You know, you're like, yeah, so what? This is my body. I can do whatever I want with it. And at the end of the day, it's not yours. It's for God. You know, we're called to worship him. And so sometimes as well, though, parents, on the flip side, we live with this do as I say, not as I do kind of attitude with our children. Where we're like, hey, you know what? Like, I don't ever want to see a drug in my house, Okay. And then when your teens go to bed, you're like, I'm going to go to the backyard. I'm just going to smoke a little bit because I had a stressful day, you know. Some of you guys are like, I need you to be kind to people. Be kind in the world. There's so much hatred. And then as soon as you get in your car, you're cutting people off and you're flipping them off. Or you're posting things online where you're just being so hurtful. And, and don't even care what the other people on the other side are going to feel. And the last one is, some of you guys tell your teenagers hey, I want you to wait till you're married before you, find, like, before you sleep with anybody. You know, I need you to find the one and I need you to just, you know, like dedicate your life to them and, and then give it to the Lord and you guys get married and you guys are going to have a great life. But then on the flip side, some of you are living as though you've been married for years and never commit to each other. There's a name for this. It's called hypocrisy. You know, and I know it's, it's, it sounds harsh and I feels like, I'm condemning, but I'm not. And I'll tell you why I'm not, because I lived this. My wife and I did the same thing. You know, we had a child when we were young, and we lived together, and we played marriage for a very long time. 
but there was dysfunction and there was chaos in our relationship. And it wasn't until we were able to give all of that dysfunction, chaos, abuse, verbal abuse to the Lord and we would commit to each other that God was able to bless our marriage and he was able to lift a lot of that out. And he pruned us and he made us new. And my wife and I have been at this church serving faithfully for the past 10 years. Amen. See, parents, what we're doing today, it's generational. It's a generational thing that we're passing down. It's not a, like, let me tell you something today, and then tomorrow you're going to be fine. But sometimes we're not even going to see the fruits of the labor that we put into our children. See, there's this instance where when, when Abraham lied and when Isaac lied, they both didn't even know about this. See, Abraham did this long before Isaac was born. And Isaac did this after his father had passed away already. So what we do today will affect our future descendants. And that is why it's so important to let God just trust in him. Trust in God that he will truly make you new. That he will truly pull everything out of you. You know, because... Abraham and Isaac both loved the Lord and they served him faithfully. And even through their mistakes, they were always able to turn back to God. And there's a reason for this. You see, Abraham is known as the father of faith in our Bibles. And so Isaac learned to be faithful to God as well, the same way his father did. So we read in in verse 24, it says, where the Lord appeared to him on that night of his arrival... I am the God, your father, Abraham. He said, do not be afraid for I am with you and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. See, God calls us, continually calling us because he has great blessings that he has planned out for us. But it's for us to give them to God, to trust in him. There's a little, a little, if I go back a little bit, verse 18, so I read it again, but one part that I loved was the second half of it, which is very, very quick, but it says, he reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Matt, that is just a beautiful reminder that there was someone that was going to come later and he was going to die on a cross and he was going to restore us and he was going to make a way for you and I to be able to come to his feet and change who we are and change our names maybe you are walking around right now with one of these labels that you've given yourself but God is also telling you it's time to give it to me it's time for me to make you new again because I have a new name for you. I call you son and I call you daughter. Yeah, no longer do you need to hold this label over you. Give it to me. I will carry it for you. Just as Jesus did on the cross. Verse 25 says, Then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. 
our response as parents, teens, you too, is that when we are going through our troubles and we are making our mistakes, don't run from God. Turn to Him. It says Isaac built an altar and he worshiped the Lord. And that should be our response always. In the good and in the bad, in the ugly, in the pretty, turn to God and allow Him to make you new. Allow Him to change who you are. You know, we are to, we are to trust in God and surrender and surrender everything to Him. So I invite you guys, if you guys could stand with me right now in this moment. And if you do feel like you have something that you need to surrender to God, now's the time to do so. Now's the perfect time for you to be able to come to Christ and let Him give you a new name. Blessed assurance Jesus is mine Just where you are right now, just lift your hand. He's been my fulfillment Surrender it all to Him. You don't need to carry this anymore. Born of His Spirit, in His blood, and what He did for me on Calvary's more than enough. I trust in God. Savior, who will never fail. God, we just come to you today. He will never fail. We just build an altar for you, Lord. We can just worship you today, Lord. God, we give up everything we have in us. We surrender it to you today. It's in your precious name. I really hope this message was uh, encouraging to you today. That's right. My wife and I are so honored that you joined us in this way. And we'd love to encourage you. Uh, it, one, if you'd like to connect with us more, uh, if you live locally, and uh, we'd love to have you visit us in person. If you'd like to join us in the mission here and uh, partner with us, uh, we'd love for you to receive all of that and even other messages. And you can find all that at this resource right here. Thank you so much for joining us.